Chris Galsey here with Matt Howell. And on this exciting episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the latest film about Mr. Rogers himself, Fred Rogers. We're also going to see the Netflix release starring Eddie Murphy, Dolomite Is My Name. Matt, we have two kind of biography movies this week, right? So with some two legendary lead actors, we'll have to see how that all turns out. And in honor of Tom Hanks starring in A Beautiful Day in Said Neighborhood, we're going to give you the list. We're going to tell you what Tom Hanks' five best films are. We'll also talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray and DVD, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. It should be relatively entertaining. Let's start everything off with a clip from A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This uh, piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? I don't think of myself as a hero. No, not at all. What about Mr. Rogers? Is he a hero? I I don't understand the question. Well, there's you, Fred, and then there's the character you play, Mr. Rogers. You said it was a play at the plate. Is that, is that what, is that what happened to you? I'm, I'm here to interview you, Mr. Rogers. Well, that is what we're doing, isn't it? Matt, why don't you tell the fine folks at home, what is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood all about? It's late 90s. Matthew Reese plays a reporter for Esquire who's given the assignment to write a puff piece, um, a brief puff piece on Mr. Rogers. For a hero issue. He goes to interview Mr. Rogers and he really starts to find out the depth of the man, makes him confront some of his own personal demons through the writing of the article. So Matt, let me ask you, is a movie about Mr. Rogers that doesn't really focus on Mr. Rogers the right thing to do? And it's is an that interest- an entirely BS question if you think about it? <laughs> no, I mean, this film isn't really about Mr. Rogers. I mean, he's kind of like this... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Force that kind of like floats around the periphery of the of the story. Um, we spend a lot of time on Matthew Reese's character, who is the reporter. I think if this was the only Mr. Rogers movie we had out in the recent past, I would say that it was probably a misjudgment because it doesn't really tell you much about the man himself. But since we did get Would You Be My Neighbor, was it last year, late last year, or was it early this year? I think it was last year. Okay. Um, which is excellent about his life. You know, that gives much more of a window to, into that. So, you know, into himself, whereas this kind of gives shows kind of the real life impact of he had on somebody's life. I don't think it's as, as anywhere near as successful, but I don't think it's as much of a detriment as it could have been if that documentary did not exist. Yeah. I think this film does a great job of capturing the essence of who Fred Rogers was and what he was all about. I think it does a, it, it examines his cultural impact, but while not really focusing on so much his life, right? And I think it's true. I think it's a fair point that having the documentary from last year is a great insight into Fred Rogers as a person. And if you haven't seen it, again, I cannot recommend it enough. I think it's available on Amazon Prime right now. Um, it's only only it's on HBO, so only if you oh. have the Amazon HBO you know, subscription. Well, you could still rent it from any of your digital out- outlets sure. as well. But I got to admit, when I started realizing as this film was unfolding that, that as you said, Rogers is kind of a more periphery character in this thing, that I got a little concerned. But I think in the end, 
it worked for me because even though him as a physical presence maybe makes up 35% of this movie, he's in the whole thing. Really, who he is and what he represents um, just just permeates this film. And I, and I think for me, it really worked. I think that Reese is quite good as the writer Tom June. I don't know if that's, that's is that his name in the film now. No, he plays no. Lloyd Vogel in the film. Mm-hmm. And his portrayal of most of us, I think, maybe even me, with our anger at some of the events in our past that kind of helped shape who we are, is I really just something I, I, I really identified with. And Hanks relays Fred Rogers with this earnestness and this quiet resolution where exemplifying how you can be kind of the best person you can be. And I love, too, the introduction to of, of his wife in the film and how she kind of says, well, he's no saint. You know, he's got a temper, but he works hard at, you know, being the best person he can be. And I think, too, the film does introduce kind of these helpful mindfulness concepts these things that Fred Rogers was doing for 40, 50, 60 years. I found the film really to be earnest and heartwarming. I I admit it possibly could have all gone wrong and stared way too hard into sweetness and become too saccharine, but it smartly does not do that. I, I thought this thing was a, a huge success, man. Really? Okay. I don't know. I wasn't as on board on this. Like I was very moved by the... Um the documentary where this, it was just kind of a kind of, it felt like an also ran to me. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think, I don't think it was anything saying anything that needed to be said that there was much more that you could glean from the documentary. And, and some of the, just even the narrative story choices I thought were strange. I mean, there's a lot of flashbacks and dream sequences in this thing and kind of a lot of disorientation about what's real and what's not that I didn't really think, landed necessarily i was less invested in lloyd than mr rogers and like i said I, I don't know i just feel like it was it's a little it's a little too late a little bit too little too late i think for what's already been out there listen i think i agree with you that the documentary does for me have a a deeper emotional impact than mm-hmm. perhaps this film did and perhaps the ending of this is a little thinner emotionally than maybe we'd like it to be but overall uh, I really enjoyed this. And I also enjoyed it's some really fun set design choices, right? They actually, so you know that the toy models that Fred Nate, that the show would open up to? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we do for all the cityscapes. And whenever right. we change locations, right. we use kind of those same models as well to reflect those locations. And I absolutely love that. I thought that was a really smart and fun touch. So overall, Matt, I'm going to give A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood a B plus. I thought it was... Very entertaining. Well, I don't know. It just it it delivered, I think, in what it was trying to do. I think it had a great message, and I really, really enjoyed both the performances by our leads. So, B plus okay. for me. Um, yeah, I gave it a B minus. Again, I think it's hampered, maybe for for me, maybe unfairly compared to the documentary. It's good, but I think there's something a lot better out there. So, you would tell people to watch the documentary over this if they had to choose one. Yes, definitely. I think I would as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. So, yeah, that's fair. And our scores really aren't that far off. So, no. We've got a chance to see a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Why don't you shoot us an email at feedback 
at thefirsttorun.com. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought about the movie. If you've seen the documentary too, let us know what you think about that. Coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday, Matt, December 3rd, we have a correction, though not a fault of mine, and a clip from just one of the more fun movies to ever be released in the 80s. Enjoy. Cash what charge? Oh, gosh. Cash, I guess. I mean, it's not deductible, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. O'Toole will take care of your needs. Boy, you know, I wish these were in color, because what I really am sort of in the mood for is a girl with green eyes. And price is no object, Mrs. O'Toole. Fresh off the boats the way I like them. The more exotic, the better. That, of course, is a clip from Big Trouble in Little China, starring Kurt Russell. Shout Factory is releasing a mammoth set of this thing, Matt. There's a limited edition steelbook, an exclusive poster, a lithograph, and a vinyl single record as well. You can still pre-order it for $72. There's an even more expensive version that includes the... I'm sorry, this is the more expensive version. It has the regular Blu-ray as well as the steelbook, so you get both of them for that price. They have one where it's uh, just the, I believe, just the film itself, or maybe it's just a steelbook. There's a couple different versions that you can pick this up, but Big Trouble in Little China is a big favorite of mine from the 80s. You a fan? Yes, I am. Although, just, again, if you're going to go check it out, it's it's a little... It may be it may be towing maybe stepping a little too far over the edge in some of today's sensibilities. So this is one of those films that you'd have to say it was a different time, which you know I don't love doing, but uh, yeah, no, that's true. Includes new audio commentary with the producer Larry Franco, new audio commentary with the special effects artists. There is also about I don't know a dozen new interviews with the cast and crew as well. Yeah, so uh, big trouble with China. You can pick that up coming up Tuesday. Your correction, I want to get this kind of out of the way. Pink Floyd, the later years, that box that we were talking about last week, that has since been delayed till December 13th. So if you were looking for it last week after we announced it, it actually has been delayed for a couple weeks. All right. So another intern has been fired. Ready or Not, Matt, is being released, which is a fun little horror thriller comedy. Includes a three-part making of featurette called Let the Games Begin, a gag reel, and then audio commentary as well featuring Samra Weaving. A film that tried to build itself up as some big artistic kind of indie that absolutely cratered at the box office. The Goldfinch is being released as well. Includes two making of featurettes and 16 minutes of deleted scenes. Coming up on Blu-ray, we already talked about Big Trouble in Little China. Criterion is releasing a pair of films this week, Matt. Tunes of Glory, which is a 4K digital restoration. Following World War II in peacetime Scotland, Brigade Headquarters replaces Commanding Officer Major Jock Sinclair, a boisterous battalion leader with the strict temperamental Lieutenant Colonel Basil Barrow. Resentful towards his replacement, Sinclair undermines Barrow's authority and damages his successor's reputation among the soldiers. He faces an uphill battle in regaining the discipline and respect of his battalion. Because an interview from 2003 with a director, an interview in 2002 as well with actor John Miles, a television interview featuring star Alec Guinness and more. Criterion is also releasing the story of Temple Drake. A wealthy but neurotic Southern Belle finds herself trapped in the hideout of a gang of vicious bootleggers. It's a high-definition restoration of that film, a new program featuring conversation between the cinematographer and director, a new program with critic Imogene Sarah Smith about the complexity of the film and its central performance by Miriam Hopkins and more. Arrow is releasing Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse 5. 
It's a brand new 4K restoration from the original camera negative on that one, as well as some new audio commentaries, a new video appreciation, and more. The Burt Reynolds film Stick. It's one of those legendary covers from the 80s where he's got the, um, what is it, the automatic or semi-automatic rifle or shotgun, not shotgun, but gun with a broken glass window around him, and he's just doing his Burt Reynolds stare thing. <laughs> so that's coming up with a brand new commentary by film critic Nick Pinkerton. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt, is She. Sandhel Bergman of Conan the Barbarian, programmed to kill in Red Sonia, stars as She, the beautiful warrior queen who rules by the sword in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Women battle, men are used for ritual sex and sacrifice, but the arrival of the three strangers plunges she into a nightmare quest for survival. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? I'm going to recommend a movie from 2017 called Shot Caller. It stars Nikolai Coster-Waldo, Jamie Lannister of Game of Thrones. Um, and he plays a newly re- released uh, prison gangster who is forced by the leaders of the gang who are still inside to orchestrate a major crime with their brutal rival and things unravel quickly and out of control. It's a good little drama, mystery, comma, uh, crime film. If you're looking for something to really kick off your Christmas fair, this is the one to watch. It's available mm. on Netflix. There you go. All right, Matt. A film that is just wowing audiences across the country and also mostly people who are sitting in their homes because it's a Netflix original. But it did get a limited theatrical release. Let's spend a few minutes talking about My Name is Dolomite. Take one, marker. Action. Hold it, Dolomite. What do you want? FBI. What do you want, man? Where's your warrant at? This badge is my warrant. Open up the trunk. It ain't mine. I don't know how I got in there. You're going to jail for a long time. You're going to have to take me. Cut. 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 Is there any angle that you could shoot this where it looks like he's actually kicking him? There's no such angle. Matt, Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore in Dolomite Is My Name, the Netflix original that focuses on the, and I'm going to say, legendary career of Rudy Ray Moore. Have you seen the original, the actual Dolomite film? No, I haven't. Um, So how legendary can it be? Oh, it is fantastic. There is a great release by Vinegar Syndrome based out of uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Matt. And it is, it looks great, sounds great, and the original Dolomite film is, it's a classic. Basically, if you're a fan of Black Dynamite, which I think is the patron saint film of this show, that's what that film really borrows from the most, is Dolomite. I mean, you can see the DNA all over that thing. So now we're going to see the story of Rudy Ray Moore and how he came to be and how he ends up making the film Dolomite. Matt, my question for you. Is this Eddie Murphy's best performance? Like ever? Ever, 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 ever? Ever, ever? Hmm. I'm trying to think of what are, what are the, what's the Beverly Hills Cop, I guess? Well, that's like his best performance? Unless you count Donkey. Yeah. The Shrek and, films. I mean, he got a lot of 
credit too for the what dream girls right his, right his true performance there yeah which i never saw so i can't uh i can't comment on that coming to america trading oh uh, yeah 48 yeah. hours nutty professor mm -hmm. yeah i don't think I don't think this is, is as good as some of his classic 80s output. I don't think it's his best performance ever. It's really good, though. That is that is an incorrect statement. I, I apologize. You think, it's, you. you think it's better than Coming to America? As a film? I'm asking about his performance. And I think his performance in this film captures... Listen... Because it's not straight paid for laughs, played for laughs, right? And that's why this thing is so GD successful, right? Mm. Is that Murphy is able to capture the absurdity of Rudy and Ray Moore, and particularly his Dolomite character, but also the earnestness and how driven he was, but also a sensitive guy who's trying to help out the people around him, right? And I think he does that beautifully in this thing. And also, too, Wesley Snipes, I mean, really kind of comes back out of nowhere, unfortunately, for Wesley. But I don't think Eddie Murphy has been this relevant in at least in over a decade. Mm. And he is fantastic in this. Another thing, too, that this film really helps out, I think it revitalizes the career of Craig Brewer. Craig Brewer basically delivered almost a knockout punch with his, well, he's not his first film, but his big first really entree where people knew who he was, which is Hustle and Flow. And then from there, he did Black Snake Moan, Footloose, The Legend of Tarzan. Right, so it's 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 been middling returns ever since. Though I actually think he only wrote Tarzan, excuse me. But it's and he's he's actually directing the Coming to America sequel. I'm not sure if you knew that. Which they are making that. a sequel. Mm -hmm. So I think he does a fantastic job of capturing Rudy Ray Moore's larger than life persona. And and seeing someone just chasing their dreams always though warms my heart and utterly depresses me at the same time. Because, you know, what have I done? This, this is the zenith of my life, I think. But the film, Matt, is absolutely hilarious and endearing. And Murphy nails the comedy as well as kind of the slower, dramatic turns. And watching this thing kind of made me sad to see this and wonder what could have been if he had made better choices. I'm getting the impression that you did not enjoy My Name is Dolan. No, I no, I did, I did enjoy it. But here's, here's the thing. This thing may have suffered from um, high expectations because the press and the people that we follow on Twitter and some of the, even the guests on the show, they praised this thing really highly. So I had really high expectations going into it and it's good, but I just didn't, I don't, it just, the hype didn't live up to me for me. Uh, maybe if I'd gone in this more blind, it would have been better, but I enjoyed it. I just don't think it's as, as transcendent as everybody's making it out to be. I'm sorry that you're wrong about this. That really bothers me. Why? Why? I mean, I think it's a valid opinion. I well, it's it an opinion, and I guess it's valid because it's yours, and I respect <laughs> you as a person. <laughs> what are your issues outside of... So talk to me. So it, it didn't measure up to your expectations, but what are your issues with this film? It's a little long. It's kind of erratic. I mean, it's over two hours long. Well, you're going to love next week when we talk about The Irishman. Oh, well, then I'm really long. looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a little long for something that's... It's not purely a comedy, but it is very comedic. And comedies have, have problems sustaining themselves for that long. 
it is a little erratic. It is a little scattershot, I think, in the way it's all pieced together. It's more like it's if you take individual scenes that are either funny or poignant, but when you kind of put them all together, they don't hold, they don't, the connective tissue just doesn't hold it all together as well as it could for me. They're more like solid vignettes, hilarious vignettes or very poignant vignettes, but it's like as a whole, it just, it just is a little wobbly for me. That is bizarre. I did not get that at all. Hmm. I'm not sure what to say to you right now. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time, and it's not going to be the last. At least rest assured that, on at least on this show, you apparently have developed final say, and you can just tell me I'm wrong, which, you know, and that just seems to be the official narrative of the show. All right, I apologize. I respectfully disagree, <laughs> but your opinion is valid. Is that better? No, you don't, no, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to. I mean... I just I actually respect that you just come out and tell me I'm wrong all the time. I think you're just very sure of your convictions. I like it. Garbage day. That's what I think about that. <laughs> Garbage day indeed. Hey, Dolomite's a lot hey, of fun. Wait, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't have the I don't have the, the samples up placed alone for me. Okay. Hey, just relax, amigo. Yeah. Is that better? You take, yeah, you take Stallone's advice. Just chill. So good. All right. <laughs> Ooh, classic. Blast from the past. So good. So Dolomite is my name, Matt. It's currently streaming on Netflix. It's a lot of fun. It's heartwarming. It's funny. And you turn in some great performances by Eddie Murphy as well as the rest of the cast. Titus Burgess, Mike Epps, Kirk Robinson, Keegan-Michael Key, Wesley Snipes, of course. It is a blast. You can watch it right now. I gave Dolomite an A-. minus. You, you, you're damn right I did. Okay. All right. Um, I gave it a B. Well, that's not so bad. You didn't say anything crazy like C minus. No, I'm just I I think I'm just trying to give. I, I I think I I'm just and just and just trying to illustrate the point and trying to have a little contrast here. I I don't want people to come up with the impression that I didn't like it. I just don't think it's as great as everybody's making it out to be. Good day, sir. <laughs> that's uh, that's I'll see I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead if you've seen Dolomite is my name. Shoot me an email feedback at thefirstrun.com. And man, if you get a chance, watch the original Dolomite. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere. Yeah, um, I will check the Just Watch app. It should be able to pin it down for us. All right, good. Coming up, it's going to be the list. Matt and I are going to discuss what we think are Tom Hanks' five best films. And I think back in the day when we did this, we haven't done this in a long time, is we actually had to hash out a, a final five between the two of us. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. So... Let's see if we can put that together. Here's a film, though, Matt, that did not make the cut for me. Can we get serious now? Captain? We've all heard about the computer simulations, and now we are watching actual sims, but I can't quite believe you still have not taken into account the human factor. Human piloted simulations show that you could make it back to the airport. No, they don't. These pilots were not behaving like human beings, like people who are experiencing this for the first time. Well, they may not be reacting like you did. Immediately after the bird strike, they are turning back for the airport, just as in the computer sims, correct? That is correct. They obviously knew the turn and exactly what heading to fly. They did not run a check. They did not switch on the APU. They had all the same parameters that you faced. No one warned us. 
No one said you were going to lose both engines at a lower altitude than any jet in history. But be cool. Just make a left turn for LaGuardia like you're going back to pick up the milk. That is Tom Hanks as Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger in Clint Eastwood's Sully. A film that is quite good, but was a rough watch for me because Mm. of the... 9-11 9-11 imagery he invokes with the planes mm-hmm. crashing in the buildings a couple times as Chesley as his Sully character kind of has these what PSD, PTSD kind of right. flashes as he's dealing right. with everything that had happened solid film but didn't crack the top 5 for me Matt so my number 5 alright good it didn't make it for you okay no so my number 5 is Tom Hanks' Alan Bauer in the comedy that blues the man up with Daryl Hannah, Splash. Mm. Now, I'm terrified that this thing doesn't hold up. It doesn't. It was not even that good back in the day. Shoot. And I thought another thing, too, that worries me is, like, Bachelor Party. Like, yeah, that one would be I, I exceptionally watched... effective, I mean, yeah, offensive I, today. Yeah, I haven't watched that film in 20 years at least. Um, and I'm really curious to see if it holds up. That actually is one of my one of my uh, uh, marathons is, is 80s. 80s raunchy comedies and let's see how offensive and how well they hold oh, up. Oh dear God. <laughs> like a porkies and a zap. Porkies, and, uh... yeah, meatballs, stuff like that, yeah. Oh that <laughs> that might be fun and terrifying. Yeah. But still, I remember with affection uh Tom Hanks and John Candy, right, and Daryl Hannah mm-hmm. in Splash and thought it was very, very funny. Of course, when was that eighty three? So I would have been a rob- a robust eight at the okay. time. All right. So I probably st- watch something i should not have watched but still that's kind of what what launched tom hanks into the world and uh uh, some affection for it okay very good my number five i will go ahead and admit that this will not make the final list (laughs) um and that it's really just my own bias because i have a weird affection for this movie but it's mr white from that thing you do he plays the kind of uh record manager in the 60s who finds a a local band and and essentially creates their image, launches them to stardom, and then drops them as soon as it all kind of start falls apart. It's a cool, you know, little slice of 60s, pretty wholesome for the most part, but also, you know, kind of showing the reality of of the record industry at that time. But it's a a fun film. I like it. Um, So I had to put it on the list. I love Steve Zahn in that too. I'm a Steve Zahn guy, and he's a lot of fun yeah. in that film. And 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 before we get inundated with all the emails, I know that Tom Hanks was in Bosom Buddies with Peter Scolari. All right, <laughs> but Splash is what made him basically like a bankable movie star. Right. All right. So calm down. Sit down, everybody. Sit down. Fine. My number two. My number two. My number four. The second film I'm about to list is here's one that I think along with you will not make the final list. But in trying kind of times and then also good dad movies where you can sit and watch with your family and not have to worry about anything and, uh, and the kind of the jingoistic stuff that it brings up in me that makes me feel good about being an American and all that kind of crap is him as James Donovan in Bridge of Spies. Okay. I think, you know, him playing the attorney, Donovan, who's willing to defend the spy because it's the right thing to do because he, as a citizen, or he's entitled to uh, his day in court and to proper representation and all the stuff that he has to deal with in doing so 
earnest. It's workmanlike performance. He but he nails it, and I just appreciate watching that film. It's a it's it's a good watch anytime. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a good that's a good pick. But the correct pick for a film watching with your dad and to kind of give you. Uh, uh, a jinguist, uh, uh, patriotic fervor is him playing Jim Levitt in Apollo 13, where obviously the could have been doomed trip to the moon kind of just shows, uh, you know, obviously the whole that whole drama unfold. Um, the supporting cast is great: Gary Sinise, uh, Kevin Bacon, um, and Ron Howard is at his his most inoffensively capable. Um, but it's a it's a it's a memorable little film, and if you haven't checked it out, it's it's something worth watching. I think. Yeah, I there's a couple films, three films specifically that are massive Tom Hanks movies that are not on my list because I almost feel they're too cliched. Okay. You know, I mean, we can talk about that when we get to nailing down the final five. My okay. number three is his performance as Captain John Miller in Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Uh, another Spielberg classic film that is what it's got the most intense opening twenty minutes in film history potentially. The uh, the uh, storming of the beach of Normandy, but he brings he his whole thing in this film right is they're all the other soldiers are trying to bet to figure out what he did before the war, and how he's just kind of just driven kind of commander who's also has this fatherly vibe to him, and then eventually he there's that one scene Matt when he finally breaks and it just kills you, and it's it's such a fantastic film and a great performance. So that's my number three. Okay. Um, my number three is probably his last great comedic performance. And people forget that Tom Hanks really started off as a comedian, but it's Jimmy Dugan in A League of Their Own. Mm. Some very classic lines. Um, if you throw out some classic Tom Hanks lines, chances are at least 30% of them are going to be from that film. It's uh, He plays a alcoholic, um, washed up uh, baseball manager who decides he's going to, who gets uh, enlisted to uh, manage a women's baseball team in the women's league during World War II when all the men are at war. It's a fun performance. He just plays this kind of sweaty, grumpy, um, you know, 40s baseball manager. No, that's a, that's a solid pick. I think I may have focused too much on films that he actually was like the lead and the movie was kind of about him. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's fair. My number two then is... His performance is Richard Phillips in Captain Phillips. Okay. Another exceptionally raw performance by Hanks. And I he did he win the Academy Award for that? Uh I know he's nominated. I don't think he won. I don't think he won. I think the only time he's won is for Philadelphia. Okay. But he is fantastic in this. That again, that scene at the end when he finally gets rescued, right? Spoilers. I don't know why that would be spoilers. It's based on a true story. But that scene when he gets arrested and, and uh, is it Winterbottom has this unbroken take of Hanks just the relief you know of of finally being freed and he just he it's, it's a still camera shot for like what five six seven minutes mm-hmm. and it is it is devastating and it is one of not quite but one is close to being his finest performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did not win for that. Um, he he won for Philadelphia, and he also won for Forrest Gump. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so my number two um, is a comic book film, if people are not aware. Mm. Um, but he plays Michael Sullivan, um, a hitman for 
a 30s mobster in the road to perdition. Um, he's basically, like I said, he's a hitman, um, an enforcer for the mob, um, and he's on the run with his son. Um, really kind of a side of Tom Hanks you don't really see. He really ever gets to be the kind of menacing person. Um, and he's got this, he's got his usual Tom Hanks, you know, fatherly, you know, um, nice guy, like you want to hang out with him, but he's also this ruthless killer, which is, you don't really see really in any other film that I can think of. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting juxtaposition. And plus the, the you know, the whole, um, you know, uh, uh, period trappings are, are fantastic as well. Excellent. So didn't quite make my list. Basically okay. my number six. So my number one then is the film he won the Academy Award for, uh, Andrew Beckett in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Demme's film, which came out in 93, all right, I think is one of the big things. It was one of the first mainstream Hollywood films to deal with HIV and AIDS and homosexuality and homophobia. And it was a massive hit. It was a huge film. And it really kind of helped shine a light on the, that whole situation. And he is just incredible in that film. And as he, as his body deteriorates from the disease uh, and the physical transformation he goes through as well, it is just, it's devastating. And it's, I think it's his finest performance. So that's my number one. Yeah, it didn't actually make my list for the simple reason that I've, um, I've actually never seen it. Um, so there you go. So we all have our our our, our holes and our watch lists, and that's mm-hmm. that's one for me. So there you go. Well, that stinks because then it, it, it gets cut from the list. It can't make it can't be on the list, right? Because you've never mm-hmm. seen it. I I don't know. It almost seems like it would should still be on it because I mean, he won the Oscar for it. I I mean, obviously, um, there's a film that's not going to be on the list that he he uh, he won an Oscar for as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but I feel like this one's very deserving. I just don't, I don't think it should be penalized just for the fact because I haven't seen it. You know? Fair enough. So what do you got? So my number one is actually Captain Miller in Saving Private Ryan. Um, fantastic performance. Chris, you know, said really a lot of everything there is to say, but um, just kind of this quiet performance, uh, managing to hold all this stuff, these guys together, kind of push them through the war. Um, and just to kind of show his own vulnerability, it's it's a fantastic film, and it's one that I revisit um, probably every couple of years or so. Um, unlike almost most films that I see, so hmm. I haven't watched that in a few years. I really no? should pick up pick it up again. It's been a long time. Is it on 4K yet? Oh yeah, I, I think so. Okay, That'd that's be... that's one that's that's worthy of 4K. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I'll look it up as we go. So. <laughs> All right, let's hash this out. Okay. What are we thinking then? Well, obviously, Captain Miller has to go on there somewhere, so I'd say yep. we put him at, like, number two. Okay. Yeah, it's on 4K. It is available on 4K. Okay. Um, and then I would say his Philadelphia performance should be number one, even though I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, but I feel confident enough of what I have seen that that's probably the right answer. So wait, wait. So you said number two was going to be what? Captain Phillips or Captain Miller? Captain Miller from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I want to say, man, I don't know. I feel like I want to go with Captain Phillips. I think is a better performance. Obviously, I had it at my number two, but I didn't have it on my list at all. <laughs> Why is that? You just, I don't understand um, that. I don't know. Some of his later output is, is, I mean, it's, 
maybe just because I didn't have as much of a visceral reaction to that film. You could say something like Castaway is obviously a showcase. I mean, it's basically him acting against the cell for two hours, um, but it didn't make either of our lists. Yeah. Why is that? And it's Greengrass that directed Captain Phillips, not Winterbottom. Sorry. Um, I always confuse the two of them, even though they're pretty different in some of their subject matter. Uh, yeah. All right. Let me think about that, but I think that's fair. So... <laughs> Bridge of Spies was not on your list either, and neither was Splash. So are those both gone then? Yeah, I think so. That's disappointing. Uh, can I get Captain I think, Phillips for like a five or four? Okay, you can get Captain Phillips for number four. We'll put Jimmy Dugan as five. So what's three? Tyrone uh, is five. Captain Phillips, four. So neither of us mentioned Castaway or included Forrest Gump. No, or Toy Story. Don't right. don't at me guys with that because he's just a voice in that. Big. We didn't mention Big. Yeah. Green Mile. Nope. Sleepless in Seattle. Now I haven't Ooh. seen Catch Me If You Can, so that's one that I can't. I did, but I mean, it was it's it's fine. It's fine. As I was looking through a lot of his films, I... What? The Post? Go ahead, oh, The Post. I mean, as I was looking through a lot of his films, it was kind of like... that. I, I Everything I kept saying was like, you know, that was a pleasant experience. But none of them were really like so memorable that I could remember how great they were. None of the Da Vinci Code movies, huh? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed Cloud Atlas a lot. A lot of people don't like that movie, but I, I enjoy that one. You know, it's a good one. Charlie Wilson's War. That is good, but I think... Philip Seymour Hoffman may outshine him in that movie. And, the, and that's one of those where the performances are better than the actual film itself. No, uh, no Turner and Hooch. No, <laughs> you've got mail. You've got mail. Ugh. Castaway and Forrest Gump. Don't make the cut for either of us. That is funny. Yeah. To, Forrest Gump is, is a travesty. I, I don't see why people love that movie so much. It's what about not... green mile for you? Um, it's good, but it's kind of, it's kind of hokey Stephen King. Like it's, it's, it's just this kind of desperate trying to catch the Shawshank lightning in the bottle again. And it's just mm-hmm. nowhere near as effective. Is that the first magic Negro trope film? Is that green mile? The f- uh, that's the one that always gets held up. I don't know if it's the first, but I, I don't know enough about film history to say if that's the first, that's, and also that's the, one that gets a, the Will Smith one too, the golf one with Matt Damon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The legend of bagger Vance. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. All right. Well, then I think, even though it wasn't even on my list, (laughs) I think it would be fair. I'll let you choose. All right. Apollo 13 or Road to Perdition? I would go with Road to Perdition personally. But so looking at the list, what would you remove from what's on there now? League of Their Own. Okay. Then what would you replace it with? Don't say splash because that's the wrong answer. <laughs> Here's the thing: it's. Just... <sighs> okay, okay. We can take off League of Their Own because it's not really a Tom Hanks movie. If you're saying Tom Hanks' role, I would probably be willing to die on that hill. But it's if it's if we're saying movie, then you're right; it's not really his film. I really like his James Donovan and Bridge of Spies. I do. Okay, then put it on there. That'll be number five. How about this? You put on Bridge of Spies number five, mm-hmm. put Road to Perdition number four, and we'll move Phillips to three. To Phillips to three. 
Okay. I can live <laughs> with that. All right. So it'll be number five, Bridge of Spies. Number four, Road to Perdition. Number three, Captain Phillips. Number two, Private Ryan. And number one, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. are the five best performances slash movies. Uh, Tom Hanks lead, lead roles. Lead roles. Yeah. How about that? Lead roles works for me. Yeah. I'm comfortable don't, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And don't... T- Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump, the Gumpies, don't don't at us. You know, we don't we don't need to hear it. Or Castaway fans. Or Castaway fans, yeah. Toy Story. We did leave out the terminal. We did. Not a great film. All right, that works. The Burbs, shoot us an email at feedback <laughs> at the first to run. What would you be your top five favorite lead performances by Tom Hanks? I am keen to know. Matt, next week gonna be another big show next oh, this was a big show but next week is just lights out big we got ryan johnson's knives out mm. yeah. and i and listeners out there email us contact us i want to know what the likelihood that this is the film that chris is going to talk about about how much he loved it just because it's especially because it's ryan johnson mm. for the next like year like he's gonna it's gonna be like the drive for the next like like for the next 12 to 18 months that's interesting (laughs) i hadn't thought about that because i love brick right yeah i bring Mm -hmm. brick up every time i can i do some obligatory brick post on twitter probably three four times a year if i see somebody mention brick on twitter i retweet it automatically (laughs) so and then what else the brothers bloom is great if you haven't seen that Looper is a lot of fun. I have no opinion on Star Wars The Last Jedi. None. <laughs> we don't want to stir, stir that hornet's nest. It's great. Yeah. But, yeah, so next week it's Knives Out. Daniel Craig, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris. I mean, there is this cast is massive, and it's going to be, I think, a lot of fun. Also, we're going to discuss Martin Scorsese's latest film, The Irishman. I was able to see it in a theater. So I'm very excited about that. Though Matt, though maybe smartly, will be watching a three and a half hour film in the comfort of his own couch. That's right. So it's going to be a big show next week. As always, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for The First to Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. That'll help other people find the show. Okay, Matt. Now. We have a stinger at the end of every episode. At the end, I think is how it's how you say it. At the end of every episode, we have a stinger. Oh, let me also say too, we're supposed to have a guest next week, which I'm very oh. excited about. Oh, that's very exciting. Screen Fix podcast, which is actually based out of this my this area. Oh, really? In Tampa nice. and St. Pete, which I did not okay. know. Okay. So they'll be joining us. I hooked up with them through our buddy uh, James, who does okay. Pop Cult Net. Yep, James Baker. So anyway. Every episode ends with a stinger. Now you're probably wondering, Chris, why did this episode have an explicit tag on it? Nobody swore the whole time. Well, it's because of the stinger from the man Dolomite himself. So everybody, I hope everybody's safe when you're shopping this Black Friday. This show will maybe post at Thanksgiving, likely more Black Friday to kind of keep you entertained for about 45 minutes or so while you're doing the shopping. So enjoy. We're going to take an extended break and we'll see you all soon. Oh, 
Olamite is my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game.